and I gave him the charge card, took a couple of the boxes and started to walk back to my car. And when I got out to the car, I felt my knees becoming very weak. And I knew right at that moment that I was having a stroke. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. I am so excited to introduce today's guest. She was born in Chicago, Illinois to a military family and raised in Anacortes, Washington in the far reaches of the Pacific Northwest. It was an ideal place to raise a precocious child, especially one that's inquisitive and daring. Tragically, her mother passed away from a stroke when she was 14. This was the beginning of a life path plotted with many dark events. In her own words, quote, instead of consuming me, they made me stronger. And I'm here to tell you, darkness can be replaced with light, end quote. Her three-pronged career of broadcast and print media, freelance writing, and business management formed her into the award-winning indie author she is today. Her books, the award-winning Begotten with Love and her newest release, Trapped Within, are both nonfiction life stories filled with challenges, hope, and humor. She now lives in Florida with her husband, Bill, and their Scottish terrier, Lucy, where her passions are writing, photography, and travel. I am pleased to introduce Joanne Glim. Joanne, are you ready to share your story of hope? Yes. Awesome. Well, I have a personal connection to Joanne, and I'm just so tickled to have her on today. Joanne and I met at a premier author training last year with author Richard Paul Evans, and we she is just amazing. I just love her so much. And she... Um, is here to talk a little bit about her story, surviving a stroke and her new book, Trapped Within, which is just phenomenal. I finished reading it yesterday and I gave it a five-star review. <laughs> oh, thank you, Tamara. <laughs> anyway, it was just heartfelt and wonderful. But I will say this, that your optimism when I met you, I, I guess... You, you inspire me for many reasons. Aww. And the fact that you have opened my eyes to what happens to a person when they have a stroke, it, it's just a good thing to know. And especially with May being Stroke Survivor Month. It's a month, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. I think it's important to share this message that there is hope after a stroke, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, why don't you take us back a little bit in your wonderful story and tell me a little bit about what you were doing on the day where everything changed. 
Well, my husband and I had just moved to Florida about six months before. So we were kind of making our way through and getting to know the, the land and our community and beginning to make a few friends through our church and neighborhood. And um, we wanted to continue to work, but more on a part-time basis. And one of the things I had done for 16 years was work for Kelly Services. So obviously when I got down here, I made contact with the Kelly offices. And because I had been with them for so long in a management position, I was able to really pick and choose the uh, assignments I wanted. So I ended up over at Tropicana for a one-day assignment. Mm -hmm. And um, in the morning as I was driving over there, I was just kind of going through a checklist in my mind as to what programs they use and what I may be facing from what they had told me and how I was going to take care of business. And things went very well in the morning. But then... Um, at lunchtime, uh, there would been a bit of a problem where the secretary had not sent in the request for, I think it was either 12 or 13 uh, boxed lunches. So here they were with all these people in the conference room and no food. So I raised my hand and said I would take care of doing that and go over and pick them up. And to make a long story short, when I got over there to pick up the sandwiches and the rest of the food, um, I went up to pay for it. And I wanted to say, how much do I owe you? And it came out sounding like Russian. Oh, and, no. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah, it was not a language I understood, and either did the person waiting on me. So I just kind of looked at him, and he just kind of looked back at me, and I swallowed hard, and I tried to say it again in the same thing. So I just took the, check, the uh, charge card and pushed it over to the side to give it to him. And wow. That, now can I pause you right there and ask, Sure. is slurred language one of the first signs of a stroke? Uh, it can be, yes. Yeah. Uh, temp uh, the use of your limbs on one side, the drooping of your face. Um, yeah, those all can be signs. Confusion. Um, I... I found that um, I was still able to walk and I gave him the charge card, took a couple of the boxes and started to walk back to my car. And when I got out to the car, I felt my knees becoming very weak. And I knew right at that moment that I was having a stroke. Mm. But because I'm so used to being a take charge person, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, here's where I am. It's only four blocks back to the office. I know I can stay in the right hand lane. There had been a major fire in town of a large area. So there was a couple of acres of land that were just burnt to ash. And I could pull off there if I really felt like things were going to go south. 
And so um, I drove myself back to the to the um, office. Now I would suggest to anybody who has any symptoms at all, do not do what I did. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not the best idea. So, but I... So what should you do if you feel the symptoms of a stroke? Call 911. 911. Immediately. Immediately. As if, if you are witnessing something like that and you think someone is having a stroke, um, ask them to smile. And usually if they try to smile, if you know them, you'll see their smile is quicker because one side or the other will be affected. Mm. Um, okay. And it's like um, if the if the stroke is happening in the left side of the head, then the right side is the side that's affected and vice versa. Oh, wow. Oh, so call 911 or have someone call 911 for you. Yes. Yeah. But you, you ended up driving yourself to the hospital. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Joanne, you cracked me up. <laughs> well, it, it made perfect sense to an adult mind. To mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're used to making decisions, you're going to, to follow through on who you are because mm -hmm. you do not see everything that's happening to you. There's parts of you that still feel that you're perfectly fine and mm. you're in control. I mean, I, I don't know too many people that do not think that they are in control of their life. No, that's true. That's true. We all kind of feel like we are. In fact, that's one of the things you learned from this, and we'll have to talk more about that a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> but um, why don't you talk to me a little bit about uh, what you were thinking once you knew you were having a stroke. I know you thought of your mother because she died of a stroke. How old was she? She was uh, 51 in a few months. Yeah. yeah. And, and you were 52 when this happened? Yes. My yeah. goodness gracious. And wow. I, did not, I did not think it. I, I lived smugly <laughs> for most of my life because my mother smoked. She was overweight, she didn't exercise, and she had high blood pressure. I, I eat healthy, I exercise, I'm, well, I'm not as thin as I was then, but I'm, I'm still <laughs> on the thin side. Um, and so I, I really thought I was home free, mm -hmm. but um, mine was caused by a hemorrhagic rather than a blood clot. And which means that there was a weakening in one of the arteries in my brain. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And it was actually deep in your brain, in your thymus, right? A thalamus, yes. Thalamus, yeah. And, um, and that's the other thing about, about uh, having a stroke is the brain is so complex. And depending on which side it ha occurs and um, where exactly, if it's in the frontal area, 
the way that you may perceive things around you is going to be so totally different than it may be if it's down near your ear area. The mm -hmm. thalamus is a walnut-sized little gland that um, that controls your behavior. And so I had no inhibitions. And I still have to watch myself because if somebody says, I dare you to do something, I'll go, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I have to be very careful. <laughs> You have to check yourself now, huh? I, I do. In fact, there's a chapter in the book about uh, my behavior in a restaurant one time when somebody was in my way. And it was a younger <laughs> man. Do you remember reading that? Yes. Go ahead. Tell the story. <laughs> it was a younger man. He looked like he uh, was from up north someplace. And he was kind of shaped like the Pillsbury Doughboy. And he had these very short shorts on. And we were both standing reading cards, uh, waiting for our tables. And um, I was still in the nursing home, and they literally let me out for the evening to go to dinner with my husband and our neighbor. And so it was my first time out, and I was really excited about that. I wasn't doing really well on walking. My balance was still off, but I did not bring my cane with me because I was going to do it on my own. Of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> so we're standing looking at the cards, and I hear them call our name. And I looked around for my husband. He wasn't anywhere to be found. He's probably in the washroom. Our neighbor wasn't there yet. And I knew it was up to me to get there before they gave our table away. So when I got up to this man who was about six foot six, and I looked up at him, he smiled at me and turned back to the cards. Well, at the time, I was still fairly aphasic. So, I mean, you know, for me to say, excuse me, you're in my way, or may I get by, or anything like that, it just couldn't happen. Mm -hmm. So I stood there, and I looked at him, and I did a, <clears throat> didn't work, nothing happened. So, like you do with your kids sometimes when you're annoyed and you've got something to do and they're in your way, I backhanded him right on the butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. He, <laughs> he got out of your way, though. <laughs> he did. He jumped straight up, and we were real close to an intersecting aisle, and jumped up. And ended up in that aisle. So I just walked by and I was so proud of myself. I got up there, got the table, and <laughs> off we went. Well, the next morning, I explained this to my occupational therapist. And if there's anybody out there who has had a stroke, there's some things you don't want to share because you'll be in a lot of trouble. And here I was. <laughs> 52 years old, for 45 minutes, I had to listen to this 30-year-old explain to me my manners and <laughs> what I could, <laughs> could not do. Oh. oh, my goodness. That is so funny. But, but it gives us a taste of what people may or may not be thinking about once they have a stroke, right? You're absolutely right. 
yeah, mm-hmm. it, it can affect their inhibitions. Yes. So there, there's many things people don't realize. They see the physical and they know that the physical is really hard to overcome. And some people never come all the way back. Uh, and most of us, if you ask any of us, we will tell you we are not the same person that we were before. Even though you may not see um, the, the, the things that we're still struggling with, they're there. But the thing is, is there's also as large a battle, if not larger, for the mental portion of it and the spiritual Hmm. Why don't you talk to me a little bit about those physical battles and those spiritual, emotional battles that happened after you had the stroke? Well, the physical, um, it, it was, I still have no recollection of my time in the hospital. Um, even after going up there and walking the floor and looking in the room that I had been in, not, nothing helped to recall it. And the wow. doctor said that, you know, that's probably a good thing anyway. Hmm. Um, I do remember one brief conversation I had with my husband when I was there, and that that was it. But... Um, I started to get snippets of information or or seeing somebody and remembering it for a little while when I made it to the um, uh, rehab facility. Mm. Um, I spent three months there, and the people were wonderful. They, they were truly a lifeline. Um, the physical therapists, the medical staff, everybody, they were absolutely phenomenal. Oh, what a blessing. So what were some of your physical challenges then, Joanne? Why don't you talk us through where, where, where you struggled and what you had to regain and rebuild? I was totally paralyzed on my right side. I couldn't walk. Uh, I couldn't talk. I was aphasic. Um, I had double vision so badly that I couldn't count how many people I saw in a row. Um, mm. And that took a long time to to come back from all of those. And it's such a slow process. Um, when I was at the rehab facility, day after day, I would see my arm where it had been propped in an upright position. And it was my job to work on trying to get my fingers to move. And it took a long time before that finally happened. And I don't want to tell the story about that because I want people to be able to read it and enjoy it. Oh, it's so funny. I laughed out loud when I read that. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to hear the funny story of Joanne moving her hand for the first time, you need to go get her book, Trapped Within. We'll put the link in the show notes, but it's fantastic, and it will make you laugh. It's so cute. And it just it also shows the how fun some of the nurses and therapists were that you got to work with there, you know. Yeah, they were phenomenal. They, they became like family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
So learning to move your hand again, learning to talk again, learning to walk again. Tell me what you were experiencing inside. Tell me about that battle going on inside of you. Um, one of the battles, and this is more spiritual than, than the mental portion, although they both play a part, um, was just coming to terms that I was really in deep water. And I had no, there's no guarantee. When you have a stroke, there's no guarantee as to how far back you can and will come, no matter how hard you work. Mm. You may not ever change where you are. The only thing that you can change is your attitude. Wow. And that takes a long time. But I remember one time, just praying to God, you know, not for him to take this away from me because it can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. And I've just never been a person with a why me attitude about anything. But I did pray that I needed him to walk beside me through this because I didn't understand how to get out of this or what I needed to do to help myself get better. Mm. Yeah. And How I'm do you back, th- I'm back to full health, so I think he answered my prayer. Yeah. How do you feel he answered that? Oh my goodness. In so many ways. And one of them being um just allowing me to appreciate and recognize some of the small steps that people take for granted when you're a stroke survivor, how, how important it was. For example, every morning when I would go to brush my teeth, I would forget that I could not use my dominant hand, which was my right hand, which was now the hand that I could no longer use. Mm -hmm. And so I would try to pick up the toothbrush with my hand and I would get it in there and then I would try to brush and I would get maybe one, possibly two brushes and watch the toothbrush hit the floor in the bathroom. Oh, no. So, it's not like you want to pick it up at that point and stick it back in your mouth. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, it would be an instant phone call to my husband to bring me a new toothbrush. And I have to say, my husband was absolutely amazing. He would come over every morning with a new toothbrush. He would help to put my makeup on um, so that I felt I felt comfortable before going up for physical therapy. Oh. I just thought that was pretty and he was good at it. He really, wow. Yeah, he really got down the mascara. He got that down really good. <laughs> wow. That has got to be hard to do on somebody else. I can't yeah. even imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he's one of the good guys, that's for sure. Oh, that's wonderful. So perhaps an answer to the question is count the baby steps as progress. Oh, just shout it from the rooftops. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because that's how hard it is to accomplish the little steps. Yeah. No, I understand a little bit of that because we had the, the same baby step goals uh, with my children and their autism. Things that were maybe little to anybody else were huge for us. You mm -hmm. know, if my kid could even say one word, I was like, woohoo! <laughs> exactly. Buy him a dictionary. He's yeah, I know. No, I know. So I, I understand that that idea of being so happy for just little bitty things. Yep. You know, so so you you almost have to take what you're used to before and just completely change your perspective right absolutely right yeah and there you do need to look at who you were before within seconds you have lost you you're mm. gone and there's no guarantee it's ever coming back Mm-hmm. And so there's a point in time where you need to grieve mm -hmm. because everything you had is lost. Mm -hmm. But as you physically begin to regain your strength and your power and you can begin to walk or talk or use your hands, you begin to realize that maybe I can do some of these things again, and maybe you can't. Mm -hmm. See, it's so difficult, and, and that's one thing, you know, in the six years that I would do the peer counseling at our, our local hospital. Mm -hmm. um, you don't ever want to give somebody false hope. And it's so hard to tell them what they can and can't do. Um, and I had a lot of people, and this is one thing that happens a lot in hospitals. I'm getting off track a little bit here. No, let's go down this road. I think this is important. Let's talk about it. Um, it's very, very important not to tell a stroke survivor that they'll never do something again or that they can't do something. Because so many people are, they're reticent about stepping out and trying things. I think for me, being a precocious child when I was younger, I always had that, well, what would happen if I did this? You know, mm -hmm. kind of an attitude. And there's so many people that as they become older, lose that curiosity or that that drive to try something yeah and and so if someone tells them especially if they have credentials following their name they listen to that person and say mm. you know this person told me i can't so i guess i can't and my attitude and most of the people that i know who are stroke survivors and successful have said why can't I try? Yep. So that's probably one of the first things that you would say is try. Try. Absolutely. Not try. Yeah. Now, I, I'm going to... Do it safely. Yes. Try. No, I think that's great. 
At the very end of your book, you shared nine things that you taught these stroke survivors when you were a peer counselor um, for six years. And I'm going to just quickly read them because I think these are fantastic and so worthwhile, not only for stroke survivors, but for anyone in general that is struggling. It's number one, be good to yourself. Wash away negative thoughts. Number two, exercise patience and perseverance. Number three, you are not a victim. You are a survivor. Number four, set goals, reach for them, adjust when you must. Number five, take all the time you need, just don't quit. Number six, you may not be the same, you may be better. Number seven, love yourself, forgive yourself, forgive others, let it go. Number eight, kindness and laughter are the best elixirs for healing. And number nine, it does get better. Aren't those beautiful? Oh, I love those. Thank you. So you've talked about a couple of these um, that set goals, reach for them, adjust when you must. That's the keep trying, right? Absolutely. And keep you've also and, and you've also mentioned the the how important it is for you to not give up mentally, to be good to yourself, to wash away those negative thoughts. Yes. Because if you decide in your brain that you can or you can't, then you've decided, you know, you, you either will or you won't. Um, so those are amazing. Thank Let me you. ask you, um, tell me a little bit about some of the things that you did to um, kind of coach yourself through the times that were really, really hard, the days that you wanted to give up, the days where you didn't want to get out of bed. What, what did you do then? You can correct me if you like, but I'm thinking back. I don't think I ever had a day that I did not want to get out of bed. And I think that was basically because I had such a good team of people around me and a husband that just loved me and took care of me and uh, a roommate <laughs> who was in her uh, late 20s who um, every morning when we woke up, and which was about, well, we woke up around five because they come in to take your blood. Oh, but then, always, yes. Yeah, but then we'd go back to sleep and get up around six. And because she was younger than I was, she liked to listen to um, MTV and stuff. And at the time, Celine Dion's song, All By Myself, was the number one song. Mm. And so every morning uh, when we got up, we would turn that on full volume. I mean, you could hear it to the second floor. <laughs> you know? 
and we would sing that first verse. That's the only thing we knew was all by myself, and we would join in and just screech that out at the top of our lungs. And that's the way we started our day. So, wow. Oh, that is, you know what, it does. So maybe that would be another point is to surround yourself with people who are positive. Yeah. And it does to, make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned in your book about taking the time to grieve. Yes. Um, that, that you did, for example, go through all the grieving steps yes. um, outlined in Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's The Stages of Grief. Um, yeah. And it... I think anybody who's been through a major life change tends to go through these. Um, I know I did after my children were diagnosed with autism. It, it's just, it's normal. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm going to read a little quote from your book here. You say, um, as difficult as it was, it was necessary to face the denial and shock of the event, the guilt of doing better when others were not, the anger and bargaining because I was forever altered and unsure of the future and the depression from knowing others now saw me as someone who was disabled. Mm. Finally, I found a modicum of peace and acceptance. There were many nights of reflection and depression, knowing I may never be the same again. Fighting to recover from a stroke is a struggle like no other, yet it's one worth battling. Mm -hmm. that is that is beautiful because you talk about each of the stages of grief and how it really is a battle it's a battle and and i think that goes along with your second point that you taught your your uh your stroke the other people who had had strokes exercise patience and perseverance you got to be patient with yourself yeah right yeah, yeah you're absolutely right and it's difficult because we live in a we live in a world of sound bites and we expect healing to come the same way. Oh, right. We expect it to come quickly. Like we yeah. click on anything on the internet and you can order something instantly, you can uh, you know, you can book a trip instantly and yet here we are you have something like this happened and it's not instant is it that's right no not at all and thank you for bringing that up because i had truly forgotten about what it was like and you know as much as i enjoyed the mornings i really did not enjoy the evenings <laughs> you know because you do you fight the depression and here you are one more day has gone by and no motion uh, no possibility of getting up or taking care of yourself and this may may be your lot in life mm -hmm. so. so so do you think the advice then is because often depression sets in when we're tired mm -hmm. and we're Absolutely. worn out so you talk about the morning being very rejuvenating the evenings after they've worked you to the bone with physical therapy occupational therapy yeah. speech therapy and you're taking such baby steps you don't even see them you feel a little just you feel discouraged yeah you're right and so maybe the tip there is 
get your sleep as much as the hospital will allow. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then have hope that in the morning you'll feel better. Yeah. And and you can take each day as the dawn comes. That's true. Yeah. No, that's that's really that's that's so true of life though, right? Yeah, Yeah, it is. There's a lot of lessons that came out of uh, surviving a stroke. Um, And that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book was to try and dispel some of the mystery that's Mm. around having a stroke. Um, You know, it's something that all of us have heard the words. Uh, We may or may not have seen someone who's had a stroke. Uh, We may have somebody in our own family who um, may be sitting in a chair in their bedroom, you know, listening to music as the rest of the family is enjoying being a family. And there's no reason that they cannot be a part of that family. Um, Mm. You know, even though they're um, a little compromised, if the rest of us find ways to help them, (laughs) <laughs> that's our cuckoo clock <laughs> that it's gone off for a number of years so that's, it's a happy sound to you though is. right <laughs> oh it is i love it but um what i was going to say my mother-in-law had also endured a stroke and she was wheelchair bound and but we have a service here in Florida where we live, where we could call and have them come and pick her up and bring her to us if we were at a a restaurant or something for dinner. And she loved it and we loved it. Mm -hmm. And if one of us was available, we could get on and ride with her so she wouldn't be alone. We could chit-chat on the way. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah, it was. It was really great. There was one time, though, we went and picked her up, and it was for um, our niece's graduation. And they took her over to the football field where the graduation ceremonies were going to take place and dropped her off right on the 50-yard line and left. We weren't there yet, and nobody else <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And she was a facie, so if anybody came up to her, she wouldn't be able to explain what she was doing there anyway. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so it can, it can present a few challenges, so just be prepared. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's not only challenges, but I think one of the things that I would love people to take away from this is sometimes there's just downright humor to it, and you can't help but laugh at it. So find the humor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mom just wasn't feeling it when we first got there that night. I can tell you that, but the rest of us were. <laughs> She's going to take that football on the 50-yard line, huh? <laughs> awesome. Well, Joanne, let's take a quick break. But when we get back, let's dive into a couple of the other wonderful stories from your book, lessons perhaps from the ocean, or what your mother taught you. I think those would be fun things to talk about. 
How many of you out there feel like your life is chaotic, crazy, and completely awful compared to the norm? What if I were to tell you that you are normal for you? I am so excited to announce that my book, Normal For Me by Tamara K. Anderson is now available for purchase on Amazon. This book took me 10 years to write and I share 20 years worth of lessons learned in my life detours, including being in a car accident and having two of my children diagnosed on the autism spectrum. In this book, I share the secrets of how I made it from despair to peace with God's help. I also include a bonus diagnosis survival guide at the very end of my Normal For Me book. The diagnosis survival guide includes 12 tips to survive and thrive in tough times. Wouldn't you like to know what those are? So what are you waiting for? Grab your copy of Normal For Me today on Amazon. And we're back. I am talking to author Joanne Glim about her experiences as a stroke survivor. And we have talked about, we've laughed a lot. We've talked about hard things as, as you're l- trying to heal and get your body back. And now we're going to talk a little bit about a lesson you learned watching the ocean. Now, tell us a little bit about this. This was one of the first trips that you took with your husband when you got out of, or was a little getaway from the rehab center, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, some, sometimes they would give us a pass to go out either for dinner or for an afternoon to go home or uh, for a full day. And this is one of the first full day passes I had. And you wanted to go to the ocean. Yeah. Tell me why. I've always been drawn to the ocean. Um, it just, it's just such a source of healing. And I think all of us in one way or another have found that for our own lives, whether it's the ocean or the mountains or mm-hmm. um, wherever we all have found some place where we can refill ourselves. And I think the ocean, especially at that time, just, it's such a powerful, powerful, I don't even know how to explain what an ocean is, but it's, it's a, to me, it's a living being. It's, it's, uh, it's life for alien creatures called fish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a place for enjoyment. Uh, you can look to the horizon and in your mind know that there's more to the other side of that, but mm. you have to take it on faith because mm. you can't see it. It oh. just, um, yeah, you can be smooth as glass and it can just be a tsunami. <laughs> So there are so many ways we can look at the ocean as parallels to our own life, isn't there? there now, are. in the book, you, um, you, you were talking to your husband that day on, on your, get out, your getaway. I, I want to call it get out of jail free card because 
that's about what it was. You're like, I escaped for a day. Yay. Normal life. You just went to the ocean to feel refreshed. And yep. um, you talk, you were watching the ocean and, and you told your husband that the ocean to you was a perfect analogy for God because it's amazing, powerful, cleansing, can guide us to other sh- shores. It sustains life. And then your husband asked you an interesting question. He said, and how does God figure into an undertow? <laughs> and you gave such an insightful answer. Do you remember what that was? Um, I do, but I really think this is one of those answers that if it's read directly from the book would be better. Okay, I can do that. I can okay. do that. I will read it, but then I want you to talk talk to us about it afterwards. Okay. All right. Um, it says, and how does God figure into an undertow, Bill asked. That's a terrifying thought, I replied. Thinking out loud, I slowly surmised the senses are totally blocked. We wouldn't know what's up or down. When we thrash against the sea, we churn up more sediment. What do you do, he asked, playing devil's advocate. I thought for a moment before answering, surrender. Hmm, interesting. He was quiet for a moment before he responded. When you surrender in water, you float. Yep. So what you're saying is this metaphor is that when life drags you down and you can't see your way to a solution, instead of relying on your own resources, which may create more turmoil, you surrender to God, right? That's exactly what I'm saying. Of course, not everyone believes in God in the same way, but this is what I believe. Oh, so good. <laughs> oh my you're goodness. Making me, you're making me want to write more. <laughs> you should. Thank you. You should. It's fantastic. So talk to us about this idea of when we hit something hard and we're sucked into an undertow of life. It is the hardest thing we may need to do, but we need to surrender to God. Why is that so important? And why is it so hard, Joanne? <laughs> Gosh. We're used to being in charge. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> when my kids were younger, there was a time that um, I was really struggling with a few things. It was about four or five. Just You know how there's always these little natty problems that come at you, and they're the ones that annoy you the most. Mm-hmm. And then there was one major one that, that really needed serious attention. And I wasn't getting answers or responses, at least the ones that I wanted from anybody. Mm-hmm. And so I had long conversation with God. And I said, I'm not getting anywhere. Nothing's working out. And I've got to find some peace in this. And so what I decided, I knows I decided to do was give him the three smaller problems and I would take the larger one because even though I believed in God, I still didn't have total faith and trust in him or anything. Mm. 
And so the um, three smaller problems, he had those fixed within a week. (laughs) (laughs) The big one was still looming out there. So I found myself going, okay, I get it. (laughs) Mm. So you learned back then that the best thing we can do with our challenges is surrender them to God. That's right. Mm. It's a difficult thing to do because he doesn't always answer the way you want him to. And say, for example, if, um, if something happens to you and you find yourself stuck in a dead end job and you really don't want to be there, well, maybe right now is not the time that you're supposed to leave. Not because it's convenient for you, but because there's still something more there that God wants you to learn mm-hmm. before you move on. Yes. So it's hard to sit back and try to differentiate what's best for you if you're if you're not in charge and you're allowing someone else to do it you know do you kind of wiggle and you say see like our kids did when they were younger and go are we there yet are we there (laughs) you know (laughs) yep it's it's all in the timing i guess Mm -hmm. but i know with 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 god when i was in rehab to begin with and and i talked to him that one night and just said i can't do this by myself i had been for most of my life i've been a christian um there's been times that i've just believed in my whole heart and just everything consumed me about it and then there were times like when my mother passed away and other things that were really hard like that where I would literally walk away uh, and I'd be angry and I could last for a few years. Mm -hmm. And then I would realize this isn't working. It's just not where I should be. But, but it's like when something like this happens, you have to reach out. You're not going to get to it alone. So, Find that thing that you believe in, whether it's God or Abba or praying to a fence post. You have to find something other than yourself that you can surrender and know that you are going to be loved and taken care of more than any place or any time or anywhere else. Mm. Yes. Oh, that is, you you described it so perfectly. You really, really did because it is so hard because we, I'll speak, I'm also a little bit of a control freak. And so this, this concept of surrendering to God is so, so hard. It's easy to talk about, but it's really hard to do, especially when you're in a life changing situation. Yeah. You know, but. But it is that idea of, it's, it, it is, the undertow is a perfect example of it. When you've thrashed around enough, you're either going to die or you've got to surrender and let God pull you up as you float, right? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> right. 
and he will get you through it. (laughs) He will. You just got to trust that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Now, one of the gifts that God blessed you with when you were healing was you were able to have a conversation with your mother who had passed on and you hadn't heard her in a while. And, and why don't you tell us a little bit about that conversation and, and what she taught you? Well, mom came to me in a dream and um, it it was great. It was wonderful to see her and everything, but um, she was there truly to help me because I was really struggling with trying to heal and some of the things that were happening in my life. And one of the things that she told me is to count my blessings that you, you know, I have so many. And just like when you're beginning to accomplish something and you look at the minor things that are happening in your life, celebrate them with, with every fiber that you have in you because it is a big deal. And it's the same with your blessings. It may be a child that just runs up and not right now because of the virus, but would run up to you and give you a hug around around your knees. Mm-hmm. That's a blessing, you know, to feel that kind of pure love, you know. And so you need to sit back and look at everything that you have, even if it's just the ability to look out your window and see the sunshine or to watch a rainstorm, you know, whatever, you know, you're okay. And that's a blessing in itself. Mm. And another thing that my mother told me during this dream was you cannot change things in your life and leave a void. And I think this is true with so many things that we try to change and and we fail at is because we threw it out. Might have been something we really liked, you know, like eating chocolate. Um, <laughs> I like know. eating chocolate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and and saying, okay, I'm never having chocolate again. Well, you can't just take that away and leave a void. You need to refill it with something that's positive, mm. something that you like just as much, that, but may be better for you. Mm. Although I can't think of anything better than chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> I like my chocolate. Maybe you pick a, a, a more healthy chocolate. <laughs> that, that's true, yes. Yeah. Oh my mm. goodness. But I, I like that concept because it's so true. I was just thinking of the ocean again and how if you dig a hole in the sand and a wave comes, it fills your hole with water. And so when you create a void, it has to be filled. And that's just like a, a universal concept. And so if you're removing something from your life, be sure that you have something to fill it afterwards. And counting your blessings is a good thing to fill a void with, right? Absolutely right. Mm. Wisdom here. Wisdom. (laughs) Now, your mom also told you something interesting about 
a concept called that she called shadow angels. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us what that means and, uh, and, and why she told you about that? I think because a lot of times in life, we don't look at the people who really support us and care for us. And not just the people that we know that are in our family, but someone who, for example, this is one of the things that happened when I was in rehab. Um, I didn't get my way on one of them, but the other one um, I did where the therapist knew how much I enjoyed gardening and how much I missed being out in the yard and planting plants and stuff. And so what they did was one afternoon, they went over uh, to like one of the stores and bought potting soil and nice little pots that we could put uh, plants in and then some pretty flowers. And that was what I did for uh, occupational therapy that afternoon. Mm. So I was still working my hands, uh, working my mind to make sure I was doing it in the proper order and just filling my soul with the joy of seeing something so pretty. Mm -hmm. So what she was explaining to me is, these are your shadow angels the person that sees you struggling getting something in your car and just gives you a little extra boost. Mm. Um, people that don't have to go out of their way for you, but do, um, you know, without expecting anything in, in return. And it just dawned on me that we can also be the same for people that are around us. Mm. Mm -hmm. it's like god planned us to help each other we weren't meant to be alone we were meant to live life loving and helping and supporting each other it's almost like when you're a shadow angel you are god's hands on the earth you know you're the answer to someone's prayer you're absolutely right so oh yeah. And thinking of these people helps you to count your blessings. Yes, it does. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Joanne, you are just amazing. And what you've overcome and accomplished is unbelievable. Um, if you meet Joanne, you will see that she can walk. She can use both of her hands. You can hear that she can speak beautifully. It's just, you have come so far. Grit and determination, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but I still can't dance. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you've, you've learned a lot from this situation. So let me ask you this. What books or websites or uh, resources would you point people to who have been impacted either by a stroke themselves or who have are the loved one of someone who has had a stroke well, it's interesting that you would segue into this because that was one of the other things that i found for myself too you know i've, I've worked in um 
competitive fields all my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I have found that after surviving a stroke, it's not the competition as much as it is reaching out and helping someone else to receive and, and, and um, um, achieve their dreams as well. Mm-hmm. And some of these people uh, are, are my peers as far as writers go. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's interesting is each one of them has a point of view as a stroke survivor with the books that they've written, but also they have a certain amount of expertise. Um, there's one woman, her name is Angie Collins Burke. And she wrote a book called uh, Just Pick Up the Peg. Oh, I love that title. It makes me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Just pick up the peg. That's what you're telling yourself in your brain, right? When you're going through therapy. Exactly. Yeah. And these are people that um, the reason I know about these books is a stroke survivor herself, a woman who read my book, had made it her mission to look for other books that were written by stroke survivors so that she could get a better understanding of what she had just experienced herself. Mm. And I'm so grateful for her looking at these, and I too am looking forward to reading these books. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is called Stroke Rebel. Uh, it's a woman by the name of Linda. Uh, Redstead DeVries, and I believe she is married to a neurosurgeon. Oh they my got, goodness. They got married after she had had her stroke. She wow. Was, she was his patient. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, and that's one of your messages in your book is there is life after a stroke, right? Absolutely right. Yeah. There's there's another one called Suffer Strong, and that was written by Jay and Catherine Wolf. Mm, wonderful. We will list each of these in the show notes, and we'll also have a link to them so you can easily find find it. So. Perfect. Yeah. And the other one that they have a magazine and they have a section where. Um, you can write for questions and and it's just a very active site and that is the american stroke association oh wonderful and we will also put your book in there in our resources because my goodness you know we've got uh joanne's book for sure trapped within you can find it on amazon or at any major book retailer and we'll put a link to that as well yeah and just ask for it by name when you go to the bookstore and they will order it for you. The other thing, too, is if you enjoy being on Facebook, uh, look under the groups that Facebook has on there for stroke survivors or for uh, caregivers and survivors. Mm-hmm. And you will find a whole bunch of them that are on there. And each one is, they're all wonderful, but, you know, just like with anything else, 
you may be more drawn to one than the other. So look around and find the one that really fits you and what your needs are. Mm, absolutely. That is, that is perfect. And question, where can we find you, my dear? Where, where can people connect with you online? Well, I'm on Facebook, um, and I don't even know my Facebook name. I think it's. (laughs) I will link it in the show notes. Don't you worry. Thank (laughs) you. I appreciate that. But I do have a website, and I do know that, and that's www.joanneglim.com. Wonderful. And one of the amazing things on Joanne's website that I'd love to point you to other than her book, which is absolutely amazing, is she has designed a set of uh, note cards that are uplifting and inspiring. Joanne, tell us about these cards because they are phenomenal. I've seen images of them and I'm just so excited. I can't wait to get me some. (laughs) Thank you. Well, these are cards that... um, I had had someone suggest to me that we do a 30-day calendar when uh, Trapped Within first came out last September. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at the different sayings that we had taken from the book to do the calendar, I thought, if we leave it only as a calendar, it's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at it and working on it and realized that there were five different segments of healing. And there's six cards in each one of those segments. So it makes up 30 days if you wanted to collect the full series of, oh. uh, of cards. So, um, And these, these cards are applicable not only for someone with a stroke, but they are just uplifting motivational cards that you could send to anybody who is struggling. Now there are some that are very stroke specific, but they are just amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and and you said that you also are going to have them available as posters, right? Yes, yeah, that's the next step because we're thinking there's so many people who are aphasic that um, when they're in a rehab situation and they're with a speech therapist or any one of their therapists or even a doctor, if they could point to one of these, it may help the people that are helping them understand what they're struggling with at that moment. Mm -hmm. It might not be the physical that's holding them back as much as the mental or the spiritual. And Mm -hmm. that may be able to help them so that they can continue to heal. Mm, So smart. Anyway, wow. So be sure to visit Joanne's website, www.joanneglim.com. We'll have it again, in the show notes, so that you can find these amazing note cards. And Joanne, you have a giveaway that you wanted to give to the listeners of the Stories of Hope in Hard Times podcast. Why don't you tell us about this giveaway? Well, I'd like to give away one of the books, and then I'd like to take 
uh, five of the cards, one from each one of the categories, and give one to each listener. So there actually would be six different things that you may be able to win. Wow. So she has six things. So be sure when this launches on Facebook to comment in the section below and that will enter you in to get one of these six items, either the book or one of the five cards, so that you can have a piece of this inspiration that Joanne has shared with us today. <laughs> and it's an opportunity to win one of them. We're not giving one to each person who's listening. <laughs> yes, yes, very good. Thank you for clarifying. Oh my goodness. Well, Joanne, this has been so fun, not only to just chat with you because we're friends, but, but also thank you for sharing so much wisdom. Thank you for sharing your humor and your wit. Um, thank you for being willing to share your story. One question before we conclude, what would be your parting thoughts to someone who is struggling right now? You're not alone. You're mm. not alone. There's a lot of people out there that truly understand what you're going through. You just need to reach out to us. We're all there. We're on Facebook. We've got websites. We'll be there to help you through. And never stop to think that if you think you need therapy, uh, physical, mental, um, spiritual, always pick up a phone or call or ask someone for help. And don't ever quit. Mm. Beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Well, I can't say anything better than that. Thank you again for sharing your story. And to my listeners, don't give up. Hang in there and hope on. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. I know that there are many of you out there that are going through a hard time. And I hope you found things that have been useful today as you listen to the podcast. If you would like to access the show notes from today's podcast, visit my website, it is storiesofhopepodcast.com. That is where you'll find favorite quotes from today's episode and shareable memes. And those are fun because you can share them with your friends on social media. You will also find the links mentioned throughout today's episode so you don't have to remember what those were. And also all the tips that were shared. Sometimes tips are shared so much throughout an episode you forget. What were those great things? So go to the show notes, storiesofhopepodcast.com to look up these fantastic resources. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a tip that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this episode with them. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help bear that burden. Above all else, remember God loves you. <laughs>